So after the first service, someone said, hey, you look really good. So I think I'm changing my New Year's resolutions. I think I'm gonna exercise less and gain weight and spend more money. It's gonna be a good year. I'm looking forward to it. So as we start year 2019, you know, when I ask people like what they want to experience or how they really do want to grow in the new year, probably the most common response I get is that people want to hear God's voice. They want to hear God's voice more clearly to experience his leading and discern his direction for their lives. That's what I hear. People are hungry to experience God speaking to them personally. So I wanna speak to that hunger both this morning and actually for the next three weeks. And I wanna wanna do it by looking at three passages found in the Gospel of John where God audibly speaks. And each time the intended audience, they did not comprehend, they did not discern that it was actually God speaking to them. I wanna leverage those experiences from scripture and speak into our lives because the truth is, I wanna explain why we may not hear God clearly at first. But then I wanna help us understand how to to discern his voice and understand what God is saying both to us and then obey what he's calling us to do. That would be a great way to start the new year, don't you think? So let's talk about for the next three weeks. You know, some people think that claiming to hear from God is certifiably insane. In fact, Joy Behar, one of the popular hosts of the TV show, The View, she denounced Vice President Mike Pence when he said that he relies on hearing from God for direction when considering important decisions. In fact, Behar sarcastically commented on air, you know, it's one thing to talk to God, it's quite another thing to to think God is talking to you insinuating that anyone claiming to hear from God must be crazy. So call me crazy. I'm not sure Joy Behar is all that familiar with the Bible anyway and how often it cites that God actually spoke to people. Have you ever thought of how often the Bible references God speaking to people? I mean, just thumb through the pages of your Old Testament and you'll find that God is continually speaking. In the first pages of your Bible, we're told that God spoke creation into existence. The heavens and the earth and everything in them. God spoke and they were created. The Bible records that God spoke to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Every night in the cool of the evening, spoke to Adam and Eve every day. God spoke to Cain about acceptable offerings and he warned him. He warned him about comparing and competing with his brother Abel. God spoke to Noah about building an ark and filling it with a bunch of animals. God spoke to Abraham about his future, making a covenant with him concerning his extended family and his legacy. God spoke to Moses about leading his people out of captivity. In fact, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses face to face about leading and governing these people. God spoke 10 commandments to govern a people who had only known slavery. He spoke to Moses about all things worship, the Sabbath, about offerings and altars, about priestly duties and personal holiness, about the tabernacle, about the presence of God. He even talked to him about the proper use of a walking stick as he was leading the Hebrew people through the wilderness. God spoke to Joshua, urging him to be strong and courageous because he would lead the Israelites into this promised land. 
God spoke to Samuel about choosing a king. God spoke to David about leading as king. God spoke to Solomon about building the temple, a house dedicated to worshiping God as the king. I mean, we could go on. God spoke to Nehemiah, Amaziah, Jechaliah, Jeremiah, and countless other kings, prophets, and regular people about learning, loving, and living as the people of God. Can God you get in the picture? God is continually speaking. It's all there in your Bible. Well, I have a list of things on my refrigerator. I, I keep it there because they're, they're things I never want to forget. They're my personal credo. I, it's, it's truths that I want to have in front of my eyes consistently. I add to the list it occasionally, but there is one true statement that I've had on my fridge for over 20 years. It just says this, God continually speaks, attempt to listen. You know, hearing God's voice is all about relationship. It's all about knowing him. And this relationship is forged when no one else is looking, when it's just you and him. This relationship grows deeper when you spend time alone with your heavenly father. Now, the number one way that God speak to us, speaks to us is through his word. The Bible is God's voice speaking to us. It's just preserved in written form. It's our foremost authority. It's the most accurate reference of God speaking to us, for sure. But it's not the only way he speaks to us. The truth is, your Bible, it reveals God, but it does not contain him. God can speak many other ways. God can speak through pictures, through a word, my wife and I like to say he gives us fleeting thoughts, thoughts that are not our own, but he plants them at just the right time concerning just the right people. God can speak through circumstances. He speaks through other people. In fact, God loves to speak through other people. Not usually audibly, but he, he downloads something and they speak to you. They don't even know it, but it's God using other people to speak to you and I. He's continually speaking. But hearing and discerning God's voice, it's a learned skill. You're probably gonna be lousy at it at first. You get better with practice and as your relationship deepens with him. It's by experience that we learn to comprehend his voice and discern what God is saying. But if you don't hear him at first, I guarantee it's not because he's not speaking. He's speaking. He loves speaking to you. That's not the issue. Here's the problem. You and I, we want to hear God clearly now when we've not logged the time necessary to accurately and clearly discern his voice. We need more time with him. Hearing him comes from knowing him and knowing him comes from time with him. So if you're having trouble hearing God's voice, if he seems silent or distant, he probably is leaning in and saying to you, hey, come closer, come closer. I have much to say to you. So how do we deepen our relationship with God? How do we get better at discerning his voice? That's what we want for 2019. Well, let me suggest four tried and true practices so you and I can become more accustomed to hearing him clearly. Mentioned the first one already. You hear him in his word. Read your Bible, people. That's where God's voice speaks. You'll get to know his word. You'll get to know his voice. You'll start to discern it. You'll get accustomed to it. You'll become familiar with it. And then when you hear his voice outside of the scriptures, you'll recognize it. You gotta be in the word. Number two, much like it, is you gotta get quiet. 
You need time alone with him. You need to unplug. Psalm 46 says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Like you'll hear him when you tune out all the other frequencies and you focus on him. You get to know him through prayer and solitude. It's when you're alone with him. You'll start to hear and discern his voice. Third is... you gotta start to listen for God's voice in others. Again, he's, he loves to speak through his most cherished creation, other people. Think about it, God speaking through you to someone else, or God speaking to you through someone else. He loves to do it. Start listening for his voice in others. He uses them. And then the fourth is, you can always start the conversation by asking good questions, great questions to pose to God as you listen for him throughout the day. Get up and start your day by saying, okay, God, what are you up to? What's on your heart? What's on your mind? What are you doing? Whether you're at home or work, wherever, ask the questions. Tell God that you're interested in his agenda, not just your own. He'll speak to you. He'll download and speak to you what he's interested in, who he wants to touch, how he wants to use you. One more time, hearing God's voice is all about relationship. Your intimacy is formed when no one else is looking, when it's just you and him, you and the word, you and speaking to him and listening to him. That's how your intimate relationship is forged. The relationship grows deeper as you spend time with him and you will become more aware of God's voice outside of the scriptures. You'll start to recognize he's continually speaking. I know you can hear and discern God's voice. I know you can. I have it on the authority of scripture spoken by Jesus himself. In the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus is speaking to his followers and he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd because I care for the sheep, I protect the sheep, I love the sheep. The sheep know me and I know them. They know and trust him because he lays down his life for us, his sheep. Verse two of this same chapter, John chapter 10, records Jesus saying this. The one who enters the sheep pen by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from a stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This passage declares that those who belong to Jesus can and will recognize his voice. We will know his voice. The goal for you and I is to become so familiar with his voice that we recognize it above all the other competing voices. But you and I both know from experience that sometimes discerning God's voice is not always easy. It's not always clear. If that's been your experience, You're not alone. That's why I want to look at this passage from John chapter 12 this morning, where a crowd had trouble discerning God's voice. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, you can follow me on the screen. John chapter 12, it's our passage for this morning. It records this. A week before Jesus was to go to the cross, he enters Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. He's riding down the hillside on a donkey to the cheers of his followers on what we've appropriately entitled the triumphal entry. See, this is Jesus' inauguration as the Messiah. The crowds have finally uh, realized that he's the one, he's the Messiah. And so they're saying, Hosanna, 
save us. They recognize Jesus is the one prophesied in scripture. Just a few days earlier, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead and everyone's talking about it. Jerusalem in this season is a hectic, busy place. Jesus' followers are joyously worshiping the Messiah. All of Jerusalem is abuzz. They're celebrating the annual Passover feast. And then there's some of the Jews who are furiously plotting a way to kill Jesus. All this going on, all this commotion, and Jesus enters the city, and the word says he stands up to speak to the crowd that has gathered for his inaugural address, waiting for him to declare his messiahship. Verse 23 of John chapter 12, this is what Jesus says. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And the crowd said, like, what? Like, what is this? We're not expecting this kind of talk. I mean, think about it. Here it is, Jesus' first official address as the newly recognized Messiah, and instead of a, like a self-promoting clenched fist speech about power and freedom from the present tyranny of the Roman government, Jesus instead makes this rather strange speech with this you know, veiled reference to his own death. He talks about losing one's life, not a way to gather followers, by the way, and about becoming a servant as a way to honor God. And the crowd has to be scratching their heads saying, what in the world was that? What happened to the stirring, defiant, it's our time, we shall overcome speech they were expecting from the newly crowned Messiah? Jesus continues. He says this, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This speech only gets stranger to this crowd. As Jesus wraps up his speech, he publicly confesses that his heart is troubled, conflicted, troubled because he knows what's in front of him. Less than a week, he's gonna face a mock trial, a gruesome scourging, a crown of thorns, public humiliation, the cross. He's conflicted because everything human in him is saying, get me out of here. I don't want this. Then Jesus audibly reasons that he has two choices in front of him. Father, save me from all this. Save me from this hour. There must be another way, choice number one. Or rather, choice number two, the one he chose. No, this is it. My entire life, the very reason and purpose I left heaven to come to earth points to this very hour of pain and humiliation and sacrifice. So, Father, I'm here. Glorify your name. Coolest verse in the Bible. Next verse. Look what happens next. Verse 28. Then a voice, an audible voice, came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it, 
and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to Jesus. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Think of it. An audible voice from heaven responds to Jesus' declaration to stay the course and face the cross. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. It's God the Father commending Jesus, saying, I have glorified my name through the perfect, sinless life that you've lived, and I will glorify it again through the selfless death that you will endure. You have Jesus and will continue to glorify me, the Father, by the perfect way you represent me to the people I love. It's a beautiful exchange between father and son. And the text says that the crowd who was there heard it. They heard God's response, but they did not comprehend it. Some say it thundered. Others thought an angel had spoken. But they all heard something. God spoke, but they didn't recognize his voice or perceive what God was saying about his son. And I don't know about you, but I can certainly relate to this crowd because I've done the same thing many times. You know that you heard a voice. You heard something, not sure if it was God. You knew it wasn't you. And you immediately talk yourself out of the idea that it was God speaking. Couldn't have been God, you say. He doesn't speak like that, or if he did, he certainly wouldn't be speaking to the likes of me. These are the lies that you and I tell ourselves over and over, just like this crowd that was within earshot of Jesus' inaugural address. In fact, this one little verse, verse 28, identifies two of the main reasons that you and I have such difficulty in discerning God's voice. The response of this crowd demonstrates the two lies that you and I so easily accept as truth, keeping us trapped in unbelief. So I wanna uncover these two lies from scripture here and the reasons behind our unbelief so you and I can remove any barriers to us hearing and comprehending the voice of God for us today. Because I know you're like me, I wanna hear his voice clearly. I wanna discern his voice. Some heard it and said it thundered. No doubt God has a big booming voice when he wants to. I mean, I know, I know there are other scriptures that tell us that God sometimes speaks in a still small voice or a gentle whisper, that's true. But when speaking to a large crowd in the middle of a Passover feast, I am sure God has no problem with volume or projection. Think of it. The crowd heard him and thought it thundered, so he was plenty loud. But they didn't discern it. They perceived what they heard as thunder from heaven rather than the voice of God. I mean, how could that happen? How could that happen? Here's how. If you don't believe that God speaks today, or if you don't believe that he speaks outside of the written word, then you're gonna have to come up with some explanation that eliminates God speaking outside of what's recorded in scripture. I mean, you know that you heard something, so you have to come up with a rational explanation for what you heard. So here's what this crowd reasoned. Well, it sounded like a voice from heaven, but it must have been thunder. And the thunder sounded like words, but couldn't have been. I mean, God doesn't speak like that, really. So that's, that's what it must have been. It must, must have been thunder. It's the only reasonable explanation for someone who doesn't believe that God speaks outside of the written word. You know, I often find myself explaining away the voice of God in a situation that doesn't square with my 
logical, rational mind. I have more faith in my own experience, in my mind, in my education, in my so-called wisdom than I do in God's ability to speak in a way outside of my experience. So I let my rational, physical reality determine my truth. Only when it makes sense to me, then I'll believe it. It's funny, even though my Bible says that God's ways are not my ways, but his ways are higher. Even though the Bible tells me that what's impossible with man is totally possible with God. Even though scripture implores me to trust God and to not lean on my own understanding, what do I do? I lean on my own understanding. Because if I don't understand it, my unbelief causes me to make up some reasonable explanation that makes sense to me, that the voice I heard was, I don't know, thunder. It was a little while ago that my family and I walked into a Taco Bell mid-afternoon. No one in the restaurant. It's like 3.30, so it's way too late for lunch, way too early for dinner. They seem a little bit understaffed anyway. I think one girl was doing everything, one woman, I should say. She looked like late 20s, early 30s. And uh, when we walked in, she's kind of wiping down the counters and refilling the napkin dispensers. When we come in, she kind of scoots behind the counter, straightens up a few things, organizes some items. When we're ready to make our order, she comes. I don't see anybody else, it's just her. She takes our order, she's very pleasant, keeps putting her hair behind her ear. But she's really gracious. She takes good care of us. She, she says, be right up. So my family goes and sits down. I stay there waiting for the tray to bring back to the, the table. While I'm waiting there, I hear a voice. And the voice says, uh, she needs to know that she has value and earth, value and worth. I need someone to go tell her that I love her. And I say, no way, not me. <laughs> That's weird, right? <laughs> I've never been in this Taco Bell. I don't think she's used to hearing stuff like this. I'm not going. But I stand there smiling, right? And then I hear the voice say, I need someone to represent me. She's hurting. She needs me. So I stay there and take my tray of food and scoot to my table and say, thank you, Lord, get me out of there, right? Say nothing. I'm sitting here eating my meal with my family, enjoying it. Actually, I'm not enjoying it. My stomach's upset. And I don't think it's the Mexican food. <laughs> because I realize I have just heard God's voice, but I've kind of dissed it. Because it doesn't make sense to me. It sounds like it's too weird, too out there. I don't like it, I'm gonna look stupid or foolish. So I continue eating, we're towards the end, and I realized, all right, you know what? I hear it again because it gets even weirder. The voice in my head says, I want you to go give her a father's blessing. I know that wasn't my voice. Three reasons. I don't talk like that. <laughs> I don't wanna do it. And I don't even know what the heck a father's blessing is anyway. So I go, that's not me. It wasn't my kids or my wife, so I go, all right. So I bring my daughter, Kate, I said, Kate, come with me. She thinks we're ordering more food. I bring her with me so she doesn't, you know, this, this young woman doesn't see some creepy, you know, middle-aged guy is coming to hit on her. So I said, come with me. <laughs> we go and I, I look at her and I read her name tag, it's Kira. And so I said, hey, Kira, I just gotta tell you, you have made like this lunch this late lunch for us, like really enjoyable. We've had a great time. And you've took great care of us. And several times during the meal, she came out, brought us extra stuff. And I said, the way you serve people, like the way you care, I've watched you work, like you're really diligent and disciplined. Like you, you would make any father proud. Any father would be proud to have you as a daughter. So I said, 
She looks up. When she heard me say that, she looked and and met my eyes. And uh, she said, I wish that were true. Wish that were true. And she started to fill up with tears. And I said, well, I gotta tell you, I'm a father. And I said, I've only known you for 20 minutes or so, but I'm kind of proud of you. I love the way you care for people. I love the way you work. You have value and worth. In fact, I think God wanted me to tell you that he sees you and he, he, he wants you to know you have value and worth to him. He sees everything you're doing. Now her tears are messing up her clean countertop. <laughs> I'm choking. And so I said, do you mind if my daughter and I just pray for you? Again, there's still no one in the restaurant. That's good. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody even back there making food. I don't know how they did it, but it, <laughs> so it's just me and Kate and Kira. And so I take her cellophane gloved hand, grab it, and I pray for her. I really don't remember what I prayed, but I think it was something like a father's blessing. All I know is when I, when I finished and said, amen, we're both crying. <laughs> My daughter's not. She's looking for another burrito, but that's okay. <laughs> we walk and sit down, and I'm like, I almost missed it. Almost missed it. We walk out. Kira runs out from behind the counter and tells us what that meant to her, how timely that was. All I thought was how weird it would be, how stupid I would look. You know why? Because when God asked me to do something that doesn't make sense to me, I would rather explain it as thunder. My friend would say, there's a reason that some people in the crowd heard God's voice as thunder. He says, because they have a problem. Here's their problem. Too big, too little. Too big, too little. I'm guilty, because if I were in the crowd that day, I would have probably written off what I heard as thunder. My own rational human pride might have said, had to be thunder. I don't want to look irrational or stupid. I probably would scold myself for even considering the fact that it might have been the voice of God. So my constant prayer needs to be, God, help me not to lean on my own understanding. Help me to let your truth define my experience rather than my experience define my truth. Maybe you should adopt that prayer too. It says others in the crowd said an angel had spoken to Jesus. This is lie number two. This is the lie that tells us that God doesn't speak to me like that. I don't hear him because he doesn't speak to someone like me. I'm not spiritual enough or mature enough or good enough. I don't spend enough time in his word. Sure, he speaks to super spiritual people like Jesus and the disciples and Pastor Larry, right? But I can believe that an angel spoke to Jesus. That makes sense to me. But for God to speak to me never happened. That's the lie that you and I easily believe. I gotta tell you, this lie plays on our insecurity, but it flies in the face of everything the Bible says about God flies in the face of everything the Bible says about the relationship he wants with you, flies in the face of everything that the Bible says about you as a believer now with Christ inside you. So you're believing a lie in rejection of what the word says. Because God's word tells you who you are and the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. Jesus and every writer of the New Testament tell us who we were created to be. The Bible says that you are a favored son or a cherished daughter adopted by God your Father who chose you before the creation of the world. That's pretty awesome news. That truth alone should convince you that God wants to speak to you because every father wants a two-way conversation with his children. 
But the Bible doesn't stop there. It goes on to declare that the, the kind of special relationship God desires to have with you, with all believers. You know what the Bible says? Here's what my Bible says about you if you're a believer. It says you're a co-heir with Christ, seated with him in the heavens, that you've been justified and forgiven of all your sins. You've been bought with a price, you belong to God, and you're united with God in spirit. It says you're a saint, a friend of God, and a citizen of heaven. The Bible calls you salt of the, salt of the earth, light of the world, a branch of the true vine. You're appointed to bear much fruit. It says you are hidden with Christ, free from condemnation, and your heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh. You are the aroma of Christ, a new creation, God's temple, his workmanship, God's co-worker, and his ambassador of the good news. And someone should be saying amen by now. Thank you. It goes on to say, you have every good gift that comes from your Father's hand and everything necessary for godly living. You've been chosen by God and his spirit lives inside you. You've been sealed with this Holy Spirit, guaranteeing your inheritance. You are complete in Christ and you do all things through Christ who strengthens you. No weapon of the evil one can stand against you. And as reminded by Pastor Steve just last week, that nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And you and I still don't believe that God wants to speak to us. What is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with me? Right? You believe a lie. You got to believe what the word says about you and I. You got to believe that God wants this kind of relationship. Father and son. Father and daughter. He continually speaks. Attempt to listen. Would you stand with me? We'll stand for a closing prayer, but I remind you that God does continually speak, both in his word, but outside of his word as well. And the good shepherd would say to you, hey, listen for my voice this week, because I'm gonna be speaking, and I want you to tune in so you hear me. Because I have much to say to you, that's what the good shepherd says, because he loves you. We wanna thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.